Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Coming up, Lav and I recap the best of Charlie Woods and, you know, the other guy he played with at the PNC Championship last weekend. Welcome to the Golf Central Podcast brought to you by the new P770 from TaylorMade. Why practice a draw? If you've got a fade, if you can hit it high, why master the stinger? Because the key to better golf is having options you can count on. That's why TaylorMade took everything they learned making P790, the forged face, the speed foam, and all its DNA and put it into a smaller package. Introducing P770. Let the sibling rivalry begin. Available at your local golf retailer or tailormadegolf.com. Use promo code Golf Channel for free two-day shipping on any order. Lab, I was there at the PNC Championship. It was here in Orlando at the Ritz-Carlton Golf Club. I'm sure you you watched breathlessly like everyone else around the globe, it seems like. I have two takeaways, and then I'll leave it to you to, to tell me how you felt about the whole exchange. One, Tiger Woods was a very reluctant competitor in this. You could tell from the absolute beginning that this was not his idea. This was Charlie's idea. This was Justin Thomas's idea. I'm guessing Mike Thomas, Justin's dad, had something to do with it. But Charlie pushed Tiger to do this because he never felt comfortable. And I'm going to talk more about that as we get into it. But on the course, he did all the things you would expect of a father playing in a really cool event with their son. They hugged, they high-fived, they smiled, they talked. It was really, really cool to see. That's my second point, is that Tiger Woods, the father, is an awesome guy. And it was this was my column on Sunday night. It was an opportunity to see a side of Tiger Woods that I've never seen. I don't think any of us outside of that inner circle have ever seen. And for so long, the only vision we had of Tiger Woods was that through the competitive lens. It's what he did on the golf course. It was how he redefined the game with every single one of those victories. The door cracked open a little bit when he became a captain and a vice captain. We saw sort of another side of him last weekend. That's as enlightening as I've ever seen because you saw someone that didn't care about their game, that didn't care about what they were doing on the golf course. His only existence for the entire tournament was to make sure Charlie enjoyed himself and that Charlie was protected and that he was inside his bubble and that he played the best golf he possibly could. And that, to me, was very endearing. Yeah, I'll start with your, your second point first. And I thought you, you captured it really well in your column for, for golfchannel.com on, oh, on Sunday is that my, night. Is, is that my Christmas present early? That, I, I think that was the only column of yours that I, that I read the entire year. But, I, but, I thought, but I thought Tiger did strike the perfect balance between being a devoted and a doting dad and also not helicoptering and, and overly helping Charlie. And I think when we first saw that, that 
that Tiger and Charlie Woods had signed up for the PNC championship. I think we were all surprised by, by thinking, wow, you know, Tiger has been so protective of his family over the years. We've only started to see Charlie come out in recent years, whether it was 2018 open championship at Carnoustie, or of course he was behind the 18th green uh, at the masters in 2019. But other than that, you know, we've kind of only had these, these small glimpses into who Charlie Woods is. And so I think when, when Tiger and Charlie first signed up, we thought, wow, this is a surprise that the Tigers even putting his family out there. And secondly, he must know something about Charlie Woods' game and his maturity that he was even going to be able to handle such a stage because there was what, maybe a hundred people out there, but there were, the ratings haven't come out yet, but I am sure that there are millions of people who watch this. And if they didn't watch the telecast on NBC and golf channel and Peacock, then they saw this, the clips on social media. So Tiger knew what was going to happen when he put his son out there. And I thought Charlie uh, really conducted himself well. And I thought, I think Tiger as a father also, also showed pretty well, you know, the fact that he wasn't holding his hand throughout the competition. Charlie Woods knew exactly what he was doing. He conducted himself. Well, he looked like a little tour pro out there. And I thought it was really endearing just to see that, that side of Tiger, as you said, now the first part of your point, I think it's also worth exploring the fact that Tiger didn't always look like he wanted to be there. I thought his his interviews, and you were out there for all four days, his interviews were were bizarre, to say the least. I thought a lot of his thoughts kind of trailed off at the, the end. He he kind of bristled when a reporter asked him what Charlie Woods had on his bedroom wall, clearly fishing for an answer like Tiger had of, of Jack's uh, major championship record. It just didn't seem like Tiger was going to play ball at all with us getting to know who Charlie Woods is as an 11 year old kid. Uh, to, to touch on your very last point, this was a, a very, very fun game that we played actually about after that press conference. Name the funniest thing that Charlie Woods could possibly have on his wall. I picked Phil Mickelson's resume because I thought that would just be the funniest thing ever to do to your dad if he's Tiger Woods. But you can keep going. I mean, there's so many different options. <laughs> uh, Rory, I mean, to me, to me, it almost to me, it almost seemed like Charlie Woods was closer to a carbon copy of Rory when you look at the golf swing and the mannerisms than Tiger. There was a lot of Rory in that Charlie Woods swing. There, it, there was a little bit of Rory, and, and I kind of joked, I think I did this on Saturday in a column, saying that Tiger Woods set up behind Charlie before every shot, before every putt, and, and it was there was no coaching going on. I think it was more about alignment and just making sure, it's, as Tiger calls it, the second set of eyes, and clearly Tiger is Charlie's second set of eyes but i kind of joke saying that he was really just setting up to see what a smooth pain-free golf swing looks like because that's what you get at 11 years old that oh yeah that's what it looks like when you you haven't broken yourself in half and had to have three thousand surgeries and you don't limp around 90 percent of the time that's what it feels like to play golf that must be fun tiger didn't tiger did not look great i think we can all admit this right he did not he did not and i'll go back to that and, and here's to your point you said he knew what he was doing i, I don't think Certainly as a father, as a doting father, as a protective father, he absolutely knew what he was doing. I don't think he thought it through what he was getting into. It was more than 100 people, at least on Saturday. It was probably around 500, to be honest with you, because it was anybody that played in the Pro-Am and their family. So not true spectators, but spectators nonetheless. Uh, he was – I did not expect – and this was a conversation within media circles that always seems silly because we always get caught in our own little universe and no one really cares what, what we're dealing with – However, some guys thought that Charlie should have talked to the media alongside Tiger, like every other team does. I totally disagreed with that. 
He's 11 I years old. With that as well. Yeah. I have a 16 year old. I have a 17 year old and I have a 20 year old. I don't want any of them talking to the media because I'm deathly afraid of what would come out of their mouth. So 11 year, year old, absolutely not. However, when I went into that press conference on Thursday with Tiger, without Charlie around, after watching them play in a pro-am and getting a feel for it, I was excited because I really thought this is going to bring out a side of Tiger that we've never seen. He's going to be playful. He's going to be chatty. And you and I both know, because we both played by these same rules for a very, very long time, the family has always been off limits when it came to Tiger Woods. Privacy is just not the name of a yacht. This is something he lives by. And you do not touch the family. We've all understood that. And I can certainly respect that. However, you chose to bring your son into this limelight, and he just simply did not want to play along. And I get why he didn't want to say what was on Charlie's wall. I, I understand there, there's some sensitivities there. But every time, my question to him, which I thought was pretty innocent, was JT has referred to the idea that Charlie is every bit as competitive as you and that he has this exact same competitive edge that you do. How does that make you feel? He simply wouldn't play along. I'm not trying to dig into the family treasures here. I'm just trying to get him to talk about how much pride he has for his son, which should not be a problem. And he simply had no interest. Yeah, he was very disinterested in speaking anecdotally about what his son is like, what his personality is. I mean, I mean, he was just leaving it to us as viewers to witness what we saw, report it. And and that was going to be the beginning of the, of the Charlie Woods legend. I think it's the exact opposite tact, of course, that Earl Woods took with Tiger. And so maybe Tiger learned from having his life in a fishbowl since he was age two and, and making television appearances and his father Earl would wax on poetically about what Tiger could accomplish at a, at a young age to any reporter who shoved a microphone in his face. I'm not sure if he was maybe uh, protecting against that and maybe knowing from his own experience of the dangers of over exploiting his son at such a young age, but, but I'm, I'm with you. It's, if you're going to have a father son tournament, I know it's not called the father son anymore, but if you're going to have a tournament that is predominantly fathers and sons who, what father doesn't want to talk about their son. And yet tiger tiger didn't do it at all. Seriously. You have been boring me about dirty diaper stories with cam for as long as he's been alive. I'm thinking three and years they, now. And they and are dirty. They are, and they are really dirty. Yeah. But I mean, it's what fathers do. So I was a little surprised by that. The other thing that surprised me, and, and I can say this with all honesty, within 15 minutes of us starting this taping, I received an email from, I don't know who, but some sort of betting house that's, that has put Charlie as the 825 to one favorite to win a major in his lifetime. Now you and I could, could play along and say which major is best suited for his game, but I'm not gonna go down that stupid little road. What I'm getting at here is how breathless Everyone was. And, and Mike Thomas, who... But you knew it was going to happen. You knew this he, was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. I, I do think it's a little silly. And I will say that as, as the, one of the handful of journalists that was lucky enough to be out there, that I think most of us struck a right, the, the correct chord. That there was, there was simply... You, you needed to keep everything realistically in, in place. And I would, I would argue that there were entities that did not, specifically on social media. That went over the top. There is a Charlie Woods Tracker account that got started, which is ridiculous. All right, all right, RIP Tiger Tracker. Uh, yes, yes, RIP Tiger Tracker. Moving on. I think the important thing that that everyone that no one seemed to understand is how much Tiger just wanted to go out and enjoy his time with his son. He wasn't setting him up for okay. Here's your first taste of what tour golf is going to look like. I'm going to start training you to get you ready. That wasn't what this is about at all. He's 11 years old, and he's a small 11 year old as well. 
and he played great and it was fun to watch him. But the idea that you would tell anybody that, okay, he's 825 to one to win a major. That's it's just patently ridiculous. It, it is ridiculous, but I also think Tiger had to have known that this was coming because he even alluded to it. I think it was on his Saturday press conference where he said that, that you guys are going to write what you want to write and you're going to build off of uh, having Charlie so that so that Tiger wanted to be the main spokesperson for, for Team Woods. And I think that was totally understandable because Tiger has loathed the idea of others profiting off of him. That's why he's never participated in, in hardly any books written about him. He's never participating in any of these these documentaries that have been done about him. Tiger loathes the idea of people making money and building off of his legend. And so that's why I think in a lot of respects that Tiger didn't want to play ball with some of the questions and he wasn't going to, to feed into the beast that we knew that we wanted to paint this portrait of, of who Charlie is at 11 and what are his dreams and his interests and his passions and his desires that he wants to accomplish in this game. I think it's all ludicrous at this point. Uh, I, I do have to say, Rex, and you saw it firsthand, Charlie is a little bit better than I anticipated that he was going to be. Uh, no, he was good. He was, he was very – and I, I thought it was interesting. Tiger kind of talked a little bit. I guess he, he's had Mike Thomas, Justin Thomas's father – Take a look at Charlie Swing from time to time, just from a mechanical standpoint. I think he feels like he's at that age where he probably needs to get a little bit more feedback on that. And so I had a chance to talk with Mike about this. And and the one thing that, well, the two things he pointed out as far as his swing goes is how much speed he generates. And he goes, not only is he 11, but he pointed out he's a really small 11 or he's a small 11 year old and that he's still able to generate a lot of speed. And from the tees he was playing, I thought it was absolutely hilarious that there was numerous times over the course of two rounds that Tiger Woods would let Charlie tee off first 120 yards ahead of him. And when he saw where the ball was, he simply kept walking. Tiger did not even put a peg in the ground. I think, so yes, obviously there wasn't going to be much of a competitive advantage gained if Tiger hit his tee shot and he left himself 150 in when Charlie has just a little flip wedge left. I also think that was Tiger saving his back. And and there there was video of him on the range on Saturday where he just looked terrible he made one swing that was maybe 50 miles an hour and he's grabbing his back and he's and he's grimacing I mean Tiger did Tiger did not look good Charlie Woods carried that team and made it so Tiger made it so Tiger basically only had to hit yeah he had some longer clubs on on the par threes but he was basically hitting drivers and he was basically hitting wedges for the entire way around yeah. Well, and I did. That was kind of the last item I wanted to check on because, again, this is a two-day silly season event. I don't want to blow it out too much. But the state of Tiger's game is very, very clear. He said it himself. He has not worked on his game since the Masters. and uh, He has not had much interest in working on his game. He wants to shut it down. And to your point, especially on Saturday, there were a lot of uncomfortable moments where the Internet seems to catch these things before anyone else And about, is he grabbing his back? Is he hurt again? I don't think he's hurt again. I just think We've gone over this a million times. This is the status quo. There's going to be good days and bad days. Saturday was clearly a bad day. And you're right. If you can play your son's ball in a scramble format, by all means, go ahead. Save, I'd yeah, save, save that 150-mile-an-hour swing for another hole. Yeah. It was still stark by comparison. But the one thing that, that I also found interesting, and we didn't get into this with Tiger for obvious reasons, the, the normal takeaway on Sundays is, Tiger, can you talk about what you can – take from this week and move forward. What are you going to work on over the off season? When do you think we're going to see you again? None of those questions were asked because it is fascinating to me. Well, there was one question that was asked and he never answered it was what did he learn from this season that he can apply to next season? Didn't get a very good answer. So it's not even worth getting into, but it, it will be fascinating 
to see. I mean, let's all just say it's going to be Torrey Pines because we know it's going to be Torrey Pines when he's going to play again. I don't think he's going to add to his schedule. I mean, we saw that this year, even with COVID and the pandemic and everything that went down. Number one, I don't think we can expect any greater level of consistency than we saw this year. And at that point, it's just math, is it not? I mean, if you're if you're not going to add to your schedule, if you're not going to play 20 events, and those percentage of numbers of weeks you're going to show up and you're going to be healthy and be able to compete, it remains the same. I, I just have a hard time thinking next season, okay, what week would we point to and say, yes, that's the week? I mean, of course, we all want to say April and Augusta National. I just don't see how the timing and all the stars line up on command like. Yeah, I think he he basically needs to catch lightning in a bottle now in, in order to contend. And that's not that's not being overly critical of him. I, I think that just underscores the nature of his injury, that some days he's going to wake up feeling spry and feeling like he's going to be, you know, he's, he's turns 45 next week, but he, a regular 45-year-old, and then there's some days he's going to wake up and he feels like he's 75. You know, that's just the nature of his back injury. So everything needs to align, not just him being able to feel good for four days, but he also needs to putt well, he needs to drive it well, and he needs to have – these players who are younger and better and stronger and fitter, he needs them to not play as well. So, I mean, everything needs to coalesce in order to have him uh, have a winning week again. I I do want to touch on, on something that that was my main takeaway from the PNC. Um, I I agree with you. It was, it was great to see the side of tiger as a father, but I also think that, that Charlie Woods can, can now serve as, as tiger's sole motivation. I think, Tiger's given up on the idea of, of catching Jack Nicholas. That's just not going to happen. Uh, that's, yeah, that's pie in the sky wow, stuff. That's, tough. All right. that's, 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 that's pie in the sky stuff at, at this point. Uh, I think surpassing Sam Snead's record of 82 wins, Tiger's already tied it. I think that's just a product of, of good play, and he'll get there eventually. But I think Charlie, now that Charlie has this deeper passion for the game, that he clearly has the golf bug um, that, that, that bit him through the pandemic, and he's, and he's really gotten better. Uh, now that they've spent some more time together, I, I think that Charlie can can really push Tiger along, you know. And I and I I said it's easy to imagine that on the plane ride home yesterday uh, from playing in, in this tournament, yeah, they were probably. You don't both- think they drove to South Florida? You think they took the private jet, the five minute ride from Jupiter to Orlando? I think they flew. Yes. Uh, but on the look on the on the flight home, I, th- I think they'd both be buzzing over the experience and how much fun they had and, and some of the memories that they were able to create. But if Charlie is anything like his old man, you know that he's going to be stewing over some of the shots that they didn't hit or some of the putts that they missed or, the, or mostly or most importantly, the fact that they finished five shots behind. You know that that's going to eat at the Woods Boys. And so I it's think not it's that they easy finish to five shots behind. It's that they finish five shots behind the Thomases. That's what's going to eat at Charlie specifically because that dynamic between JT and Mike Thomas and Charlie Woods, the 11 year old, is fascinating to me. I mean, him leaving a note during the Pro Am when Charlie hits it through the fairway, draw a hole because he's in the woods. For Charlie to hang on to that note and to keep it until they're in the heat of competition and Mike puts it in a bunker and Charlie decides to put it underneath his ball, that to me is next level funny. That's next level just devious and for 11 year old i am t- tip of the hat man that's impressive <laughs> it is impressive i, I thought i actually thought justin thomas uh comported himself really well last week too he was a he was obviously a great partner uh a terrific golfer as we all know but i thought he was a, a great son to to mike thomas and i thought that charlie woods was almost like the the younger brother that that jt never had growing up he's an only child and it, it, i really liked the dynamic that those two 
uh, have together. But but the point, Rex, you got me off the point. Is that right. I think I think that Charlie can now be a reliable companion for Tiger in terms of pushing him and controlling him and, and needling him. Tiger's not going to want to let him down. You got to remember, just a couple of years ago, Tiger said he, that he wanted his kids to remember him as something more than a YouTube golfer. And that that's why the, the Masters in 2019 was so special because he got to share it with his kids, that triumph and that victory, because it showed him just how good he can be again. I, I, think, I think Charlie can, can help bring out the best in Tiger. I know he's not going to play very often, but, but I think he can just keep him active and keep him engaged for a little bit longer as if, you know, maybe if, if Charlie had gotten deeper into soccer. The fact that, that Charlie is now an avid golfer, I think it can only help Tiger and, and just to keep him engaged a little bit longer. And there was a spark. You could definitely see it. I mean, when those two are around each other, when they're on the range, uh, the way Mike Thomas explained it to me is Charlie talks the language. Like he may be 11 years old, but he knows what he's talking about. He talks that that language that only Tiger, and JT, and those those alpha level players seem to talk. So he fits in perfectly with that crowd. All right, but before we move on, I, I did want to touch on and, and we podcast. We already kind of looked back at 2020, and we'll be happy to leave that in the rearview mirror. But before we get out of here, I, I wanted to see in 2021, and there's a couple of different options here. What are you looking forward to the most when we finally get out of this godforsaken year? Um, I think we're, I think we're all looking forward to the eventual impl- implementation of, of more fans. You know, the Phoenix open right now has situation. I think they're capping it at 8,000. And I think we all expect it to be loosened up a little bit more for the Florida swing. I'm hoping by the time that we get to the major championships, there's at least some fan presence there. And I'm hoping, I've, I don't think we'll have, we'll have full capacity fans, uh, at all in 2021. I think the Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits is the closest that we can get. Um, by that point in late September, you would hope that obviously the vaccine rollout has been uh, successful and at least half of, half of the American public has, has been vaccinated and, and we're good to go. Um, but I think, I think we're all looking forward to, to having fans out there. You, you and I have covered a, a handful of events uh, since the tour restart in June and something was missing. You know, I think the, the golf was spectacular. Um, the major champions and the, and the winners of regular tournaments, they're not going to have any asterisk uh, attached to their name or those tournaments. Um, but I do think something was missing. And just having that energy and that atmosphere back uh, is something that I'm most looking forward to in 2021, even if it isn't full capacity. And it was interesting. The commissioner had a conference call, Jay Monahan, last week. And, and he was asked a lot about this because obviously this is going to be something going into 2021 that you need to start setting some benchmarks. The West coast does not look great, but he did talk about as we get towards Florida, as we get towards the Florida swing in March, and hopefully you get to areas where they're a little bit more open to having fans, where the vaccine might be a little bit more widespread used. I think all of these things are going to add to what he said was going to be a trend where, where we do get towards the end of the year that we're not at a hundred percent, but we're as close as possible. And that's why, like for me, and, and I could probably say this in every year, but the Ryder Cup is the one I'm looking forward to the most. I mean, because it seems like every year the Ryder Cup just gets better and better. And there's always these great storylines. And it's by far the most entertaining event in golf simply because of it sort of transcends that golf crowd. It has moved into just a general sports. People show up because that's what they want to do. It's, it's arena setting. There's thousands of fans. The intensity is very, very real. The pressure is very, very real. So for me, it's going to be, I know we're not going to be at full capacity, but just the idea 
that we have something close to that, that we have something close to that, that same vibe on property that we've been missing for, for, you know, this entire year. That to me is the one I'm, I've kind of put on the calendar that I'm looking forward to the most. And obviously the Olympics, I mean, that's the one that that's, that would be the second one for me. Yeah. It seems like the, the excitement of the Olymp the Olympics is, has kind of died down. I think everyone entering 2021 was really was entering 2020 was really excited about the prospect. Boy, I mean, Tiger was right on the cutoff at, at that point. Now it's a, an absolute pipe dream that he's going to qualify for, for what would be a very stacked. You are uh, down American, Tiger Woods in 2021. You're selling Tiger Woods in 2021. Like you're out of the, you're out of the business. Oh, huh? Hard, hard sell. Oh, wow. Hard sell. So I like, I would never say this cause I've gotten burned too many times. You don't think he's going to win again on the PGA tour. Uh, no, I think he's going to win again. No, I think he's going to win again on the PGA Tour. I'm not sure he's going to do it in 2021, uh, but I think he can find lightning in a bottle once and eventually eclipse that record. A major? No. I'm just going to pressure here. No major? It's no. going to be Torrey Pines. It's going to be LA. That's what you think? Well, probably not LA since the record's it's, not going to not gonna, Yeah, it's not going to be. It's not going to be LA. Uh, I th I don't think he wins next year, but I think he potentially, assuming his health is is still good, I think he can win after that. Um, it's just it's just hard to see. I mean, forecasting Tiger has never been harder. A, the schedule is so limited. And B, you just don't know. It, it's all dependent on his body. I mean, you saw what Tiger was able to do at Augusta National. He 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 handled himself pretty well through two rounds. And then he got to Saturday and needed to play 26 holes. And you and you could absolutely write him off. It didn't matter if he was in the lead. didn't matter if he was two shots off the lead. didn't matter if he was six back. You absolutely knew that Tiger Woods was not going to win the Masters because he had to play 26 holes on Saturday. You could absolutely write him off. And of course, that's that's exactly what happened. You love you go back to that narrative quite a bit. You you went to that narrative a lot in 2019, and actually, you could make an argument that it's not it's not a wrong. narrative if it's true. Well, I you were just fascinated on the idea that these early mornings and these late afternoons and these late nights are going to take a toll on the 40 something year old's body, and he's not going to be able to perform like he used to. Now, I, I see the logic where where it's at. It just seems like you lean into this a little more and more every month that we talk about this. I mean, you're, you saw him at the PNC. We both saw him on Saturday. Right. We, he could, guessing. he could barely, he could barely get the ball out of the cup of the masters on Saturday. No, he didn't look great. I didn't expect him to look great. He doesn't play golf this time of year. This is when he shuts it down. This was clearly something different than what we've seen from him. And, and I will say when we're, we're sort of looking ahead to 2021, I am curious to see what he's going to look like. I mean, we're all assuming toy pines. I am curious to see what he looks like because again, when he goes through these cycles, the idea is he come out, he comes out the other end and he's somewhere close to being competitive. That doesn't work all the time, but I think more times than not, we have seen now that he can at least piece something together physically that allows his game to, if not win to at least make a respectable showing. And that would be what I would expect more so than just showing up at Torrey Pines and looking like he did last week. Yeah, I, I mean, I can I can agree with that. You look at the major championship venues next year; they're they're pretty uninspiring. Uh, obviously, Augusta National, nothing's changing there. But you have the PGA at, at Kiowa, U.S. Open returning to Torrey, uh, the Open Championship at Royal St. George's. There's going to be so much attention focused on Tiger's return to Torrey for the first time since since 08. But that's just not a good golf course for him anymore. I mean, th those two just don't; they're just not compatible. A, a long golf course that's penal off the tee. I mean, it just it just doesn't work for a 45-year-old Tiger. So it's not so much that they Tiger-proof toy ponds. It's that age Tiger-proof toy ponds. Undefeated age Tiger-proof toy ponds. Is that the idea? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a golf course for John Rahm and Dustin Johnson and, and Justin Thomas. 
it's not a it's not a place for 45 year old tiger to to dink and dunk his way and outthink the competition it's just not going to happen at a golf course that's clocking at, at 7700 yards the one thing i've discovered over the, this year of us doing podcasts that gets you excited is the opportunity to talk about whatever it is is on your menu for the next few weeks and obviously the big menu is going to be christmas day dinner so i'm going to i'm going to give you the floor but there's going to be a time limit you have 45 seconds before we close out this podcast to tell me what's going to be on the menu on christmas day at the lavender household all right so i had to relegate the duties on christmas eve to my mother-in-law uh as you know rex beef tenderloin is a very expensive cut of meat and quite frankly, if she's going to pay for, for the meal, I did not want to have the pressure of trying to nail that. So she's going to do beef tenderloin on, on Christmas Eve. On Christmas Day, big day, uh, I'm going to be smoking a ham uh, for lunch. And yes. then for dinner, we're going to be doing uh, some grilled lobster tails, shrimp, scallops with some pasta. And of course, we're probably not going to have a podcast before then. But New Year's Day, of course, as it is every year, is a smoked prime rib. Is that what it is? I was gonna, that was going to be my quick follow up. Smoke prime rib. Yep. And, and what are you doing since it. since I'm since I'm sure you're not uh, going to be participating in this? Uh, no, actually, I, we, I'm, we're going to do Christmas dinner at our house. We, you and I talked about this. We played golf a few days ago, and we talked about it. I'm going to do the, the steaks over the fire that we talked about. And, and as we both discussed, I found the key. I don't butter. even know if I want to say the key. Butter. No, it's not even butter. It's butter. Be truffle butter. Butter. It's it's truffle butter. And do you know how hard it is to find truffle butter? It's uh, not easy. You can't walk into your local grocery store and get truffle butter. Like, you've got to look. I'm not sure there's a huge difference between truffle butter and regular butter when it comes to steak. It, it, it's very much a difference. I, I'll send you pictures on Christmas Day. What are you asking Santa for Christmas this year? I hope it's a new grill. It is not a new grill. You tried to talk me into it. You, you sent me pictures. I'm not getting a new grill. I'm, I'm happy with the grill I have. I don't need five of six or seven of them like you do in your house. I'm not going to open eight. up at a restaurant. Eight. That's what you have. You don't have eight in your house. You have eight total in your possession. Yes. Eight total Eight total in my possession. I, I, hope, I hope for Christmas you can at least ask for some new glasses since those feminine ones just are not working for you anymore. That'll do it for this end of the year edition. Happy holidays from the Grinch, who is Ryan Lavender. That's the Golf Central Podcast. We'll see you next year. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact, with semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch. It's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie, and fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.